Peace. The word peace. It's mentioned some 430 times in the Bible. It's what I spent the majority of my time this week counting, looking it up. It's mentioned in many different fashions. We are told when you read scripture that we are to have peace in our trials. We're to have peace with one another. God desires that you have peace with your destiny, peace even about your past. Peace. Peace. Peace is freedom of the mind from annoyance. Freedom from distraction and anxiety and obsession. You find this word peace mentioned oftentimes in scripture, which means that it's probably a big deal. And here's the thing about us here at 1910 Church. If something's in the Bible, it's a big deal. And we're going to talk about it. I hope you're okay with that, right? But I also believe that this word peace is a big deal in our culture. The truth is so many people in our world today are at peace with themselves. Many people are are carrying around some some high degree of stress or, or there's some form of anxiety or tension in your lives, right? Am I talking to anybody so far this morning? In, in, in visiting with people and kind of listening to story after story, I, I've noticed that there are some things that, that tend to rob our peace. There are some things that, 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 that steal this peace of mind that God intends for us to have. For instance, when circumstances are uncontrollable, we oftentimes lose our peace. Now, as you know, much of life is beyond your control. Did you know that? And you get frustrated, don't you, by delayed flights and when you're stuck in traffic and when there's nothing you can do about it. And you just sit there. For some of you, woo, the peace-o-meter, the anxiety factor just skyrockets. But even more than, 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 than that, the, there, there are some important things in life that oftentimes that we just can't control. I've met with couples who have wanted to have a baby and it just isn't happening. I've met with singles who who wanted to get married and it just wasn't happening. There are lots of things that just end up being out of your control. And and when that happens, we, we oftentimes get frustrated and we lose our peace of mind. I think when people are unchangeable, we tend to lose our peace. You, you know that people naturally resist change, right? I, I saw that even happen in church a, a couple of years back. We, we changed this room and right in the center, right where you guys are sitting, we put a wrestling ring. How many of you were here for that? The mat. And, and we kind of made the rest of the room look like we were seated in, in a, 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 a wrestling ring. And I came out of my luchadora mask. But for some of you, you walked in like, what is going on in here? And it's hard to change people sometimes, right? You you ever tried to do that? You you ever tried to to change somebody? They they resent it oftentimes when you try to change. You ever try to change anybody? Hey, ladies, have, have you ever had a personal improvement program for your husband? How'd that go? Now, man, if we want to eat, we will kind of cave into some of those things, right? And, and, and let's just face it, sometimes some of the things that have to do with hygiene are probably healthy for us, man, and we probably ought to... But have you ever tried to change your wife? I wouldn't recommend that one. Maybe your children. 
you know? They just don't seem to cooperate, and, and you're there trying to, why can't, can't they, why aren't they working on this, and we're trying to figure it out? Listen, it's for your own good, you say, but you just can't change people. The only person you can change is, is you, but some of us don't know that, and so we try to change people, and they resist it, and they begin to resent you. The quickest way to lose your peace of mind is is to try to change somebody else because most people are just not going to change. And so we get frustrated and we lose our our peace. What about when problems in life are unexplainable? Does that drive anybody crazy? When you ask yourself why and you just don't have an answer? Hey, you know that sometimes life is not fair, right? We screwed it up in Little League sports. Everybody gets a trophy. It's ridiculous. That's why you have to pay $1,000 for your kids to play soccer so they can get a trophy. Listen, there are winners and losers. (laughs) Right? Sometimes life's not fair. You know not everybody's life ends up happily ever after, right? That's a great line for Disney But in reality, life is not like that. Sometimes things are just unexplainable. Sometimes things don't turn out right. And and, and what makes it difficult for us, and for some of us, we lose our joy, is when we just can't wrap our mind around it. And and, and we can't answer that question, why? And when you don't know why things don't happen in your life the way that you intend for them to to happen, you, you, you tend to get frustrated and you tend to get anxious. You, you tend to get nervous and stressed and, and we lose our peace. We lose it. So the key question for us this morning is, how do I find peace? Where do I find it? Well, I'm glad you're here because I have the answer. I am the Bible answer man. No, that's Hank Hanegraaff. I don't know if anybody listens to Hank Hanegraaff or reads this stuff. But listen, I, I do believe that you can find peace. And, and, and here's, here it is. This is huge. Peace is a person, not a situation. Let me rewind the tape. Peace is a person, not a situation. Did you know that God has promised peace of mind. He knows that it's a fundamental need of your life. In fact, one of the Hebrew names uh, of God is Jehovah Shalom. Now, Shalom means peace. And so when God is called Jehovah Shalom, that means I am the God of peace. In fact, the most commonly used greeting in the New Testament between Christians were words like grace, and the second word was peace. Grace and peace. We are to live peaceful lives. Jesus used that word three times in John chapter 20. He said, peace be with you. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. See, that's the problem with so many of us right there. That one sentence. 
Because so many of you today, you're looking for peace in, in so many different areas. You're, you're looking for, if I just hit a thousand friends on Facebook, surely that will make my life peaceful. No, because then they start talking trash about you. You know? Or if, if, if I had this type of, if, if, if I lived in this subdivision, this home, well, no, because the HOAs then are all after you, right? About your yard and the basketball goal out on the curb, right? If I had this vehicle, luxury, surely that will bring peace. Well, for the first 30, maybe 60 days, and then that $800 car payment hits, and you're like going, what was I thinking? And what was to be peaceful has brought so much stress, stress, stress. I make up words all the time. I make up sermons too. Stress and anxiety in our lives. And so many of you this morning, you've not found peace because you're looking at it in the wrong place. Jesus says, the peace I give is a what? A gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Listen, can I just encourage you with something? This is kind of Bible 101. If God says, I'm offering you a gift of peace, he means it. He means it. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something that you deserve. It's not something that you try for. You don't have to beg for peace. You don't have to plead for peace. It is simply a gift. Peace of mind and heart. That's the gift I'm leaving you. One of the greatest examples and most practical things of uh, stories in the Bible that I find of finding peace in the storms of life, which some of you are in right now, find yourself in a tumultuous time. One of, one of the greatest examples I find in the Bible of someone being in the middle of a storm is found in Matthew chapter 8. The disciples and Jesus find themselves in the midst of a storm one day. Look what it says beginning in verse 23. It says, Jesus got into the boat and he started to cross the lake with his disciples. Suddenly there was a fierce storm that struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Kind of like that man in the back row here in the center section right now. I see you. You know who you are. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? I think he's probably kind of doing something like this. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? You guys have so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great what? Calm. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Oh, some of you ladies would love to have the, command that kind of presence in your home, right? Vacuum, and that, they would just go do it, right? Trash, and they would just go take out the trash, right? I've got some good news for you this morning. Whatever it is that has you stressed out today, listen, it hasn't taken God by surprise and it hasn't knocked him off his throne. He's still in charge. He's still in control. He's still right where he's always been. And I love this story here in Matthew chapter 8. It's a great example of, of how we respond to situations and circumstances in our lives. But it's also a great reminder of how God sees them. 
I mean, would you guys not agree with me that it seems like in our culture today that there are, there are more and more people that are stressed out than ever before? I mean, they're just stressed. Some of you right now, you're stressed. You're going, what are we having for lunch? Right? Who's going to win the Emmy? Is it the Emmys? Oscar. See, you know. Who's the bachelor going to propose to? Some of you, yeah, you're freaking out over that. Shame on you, sinners. We need to, I pray, the altar is open for bachelor junkies. The good news today, whatever stress you're carrying, despite what you're facing and despite the stress factors in your life, can I just tell you something? God has a plan to help those of you that are facing stressful times. And he is offering you today a peace that passes understanding. But you need to know peace is found in a person, not in a situation. I love this story. And and, and I find some things that might just encourage you. Listen, don't worry because Jesus is in your boat. (laughs) Jesus was in the boat with the disciples that day. And here's the truth for all of us. When Jesus is in your boat, it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter. Now, now listen, I'm not talking about, some of you say, I don't even have a boat, so am I left, am I on my own? No. When I'm talking about Jesus being in your boat, figuratively, it speaks of Jesus being in your life and in your heart. It's an expression used to associate when Jesus lives within the life and in the heart of a person. And when, you, when Jesus is in your boat, listen, here's the promise. He will direct your steps, and he stands ready to assist you at every turn that you face in life. You see, when Jesus is in your boat, regardless if you are in a storm of not or not, you are right where you need to be. I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than on a mountaintop without him. I would. I would. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you've not experienced the peace that only Jesus could give. But I think somebody's drank the Kool-Aid in this room, haven't you? And you know that with Jesus, it's all right. Hey, listen, don't worry because storms are normal. You know that, right? Storms are normal. Here they are, Matthew 8. They're out in the boat. They're out on the lake. And they are accustomed to storms brewing. And a terrible storm comes up upon them. The waves are crashing the boat, it says there in verse 24, I believe. And they're fearful for their lives. They're afraid, right? Listen, they're common occurrences on the lake. And I'm telling you, storms are common occurrences in your life as well. If you're not facing one right now, just get ready. It's coming. It will come. And the wind and the waves are going to batter your life. You will face them. It's crawfish season, so I guarantee you will face the storms. In fact, Jesus even promised us that. Out of all the things he promised us, aren't you glad? I mean, I just, well, just look what it says in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will, Jesus says, but it doesn't stop there. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that great to know? The storms are coming. They will come. Oh, but we can have peace just as the disciples could have peace in Matthew 8 because Jesus overcomes the world. I love what James 1, 2 says. It says, you ought to have this attitude. When troubles of, of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? 
that's not my normal response. When, when, when trials or struggles or difficulties come your way, consider that an opportunity for great. That is not my normal response. But, but when I allow it to be an opportunity for joy or great joy, you know what? That's when I know that I'm depending on God. You see, the disciples here in Matthew chapter 8 were in the midst of a natural occurrence. But it was met with a supernatural response. See, someone here today needs to hear that. Because I believe that God desires to intervene in your life in a supernatural way. I believe that God is waiting to intervene in someone's life today with a supernatural deliverance. Hey, listen, don't you worry. Storms are normal. There is peace, and it's in a person, and his name is Jesus, and he stands ready to help. Don't worry, because you need to know that Jesus has all the authority. It wasn't the storm that had the authority here in Matthew chapter 8. In this storm, we we find that that Jesus arises from his nap and he begins to speak. And when Jesus began to speak, he rebuked the waves and the wind, it says, and suddenly things calmed down. When Jesus spoke, it calmed down. I think there's something pretty important for you to understand and notice here. That Jesus always brings peace. God always brings peace. And if what you're trying right now isn't bringing peace, then God isn't in it. Jesus always brings peace and God always brings peace. And whatever you're trying right now to bring peace to the storm that you're facing in life, if I had more friends, if I had more money, right? If my dude wins the election, if my kid does this, or if my husband would act this way. Listen, if God's not in those things, listen, you're trying and you're looking in the wrong place for peace. You are. But don't worry. Because Jesus can be in your boat. Is Jesus in your boat? Is he in your heart and is he in your life? Listen, if he is, Jesus has empowered you. And if Jesus can sleep in the middle of a storm, then you certainly can have some peace. It didn't catch him off guard. He wasn't taken by that. They were. He wasn't. My God is greater. My God is able to do so many great things. And I want you to know that today that whatever the storm or trouble or difficulty you're facing is, it is not too big for my God to handle. He can speak peace in your life. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't you worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray. Don't you worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You tell God what you need and you thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds Anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace. Peace is a person. It's not a situation. Let's talk about another virtue real quick. I don't struggle with this one, but this might be for you. Self-control. 
Self-control. Now, we probably all can identify in, with some area in our lives in which we lack self-control, right? Maybe food. What you looking at? It happened last night. Just let's pull back the curtain. Transparent moment. I did so good yesterday until about 5.15 yesterday afternoon. Pastor Robert had scheduled something up here called dessert with the pastor. Now, looking back on it now, I should have just sent Angie and not, I should have just stayed home. Guys, I'm telling you, the display of pies was just heavenly. I think that's what, I think I saw heaven yesterday. Tootie pie, bum doodler. In a case, I don't want to be offensive. I'm an equal opportunity consumer, right? I am going to have me some of it all. I told Pastor Robert this morning, we cannot have another dessert with the pastor until the year 2025 because I consumed my quota in about 15 minutes. I ate pie so fast yesterday, I had indigestion. You ever eat like so fast and you're just like, what was I thinking? I had two pieces of pecan pie. Anybody like some pecan pie? Anybody? Who, who makes pecan pie? Prove it. I'm just saying. Just, don't raise your hand ever again. Who's got lots of money? No, I'm just kidding. It's wrong. Focus. Sparks kicking in. Here we go. Self-control. Maybe you like it. You're like me with food. Maybe spending. You like self-control. Maybe anger. Maybe when it comes to sex. Maybe even gossip. Maybe alcohol. I'm telling you, if you're like, if you're normal, there's probably some area that is a weakness for you. And when it comes to this idea of, of demonstrating some self-control, it's just, it's really difficult. T tell me if you can identify with this verse from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, I believe. 7, 5 is good too, but chapter 7. I don't really understand myself. Anybody, anybody ever just get confused about yourself? Do you ever just blow your own mind? I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. We want to gain control of our lives and these areas in which we struggle, but we can't. I, I'm glad that, 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 that I'm not the only guy. I'm, I'm glad there was a verse in the Bible that just encouraged me in my lack of self-control. I, I don't do what I want to do it, but I just, I just don't. And so you know what we often do? We, we, we try harder. We try, try, try. We, we work hard. We, we read books. We, 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 we pray. We go see a, a counselor. Maybe you blame other people. It's, it's that woman you gave me that made me eat the sixth piece of pie. It's her fault. You know? That's what Adam did with Eve, right? Just a little quick sidebar, just a little sidebar. Let's go back to Genesis. If Adam would have been leading and doing what a man should have done, Eve would never have eaten the fruit that day, I believe. Just sorry. So you ladies that like that, pecan pie is awesome. It's always a great love offering. Anyway, 
And then what we do, we, we, we work harder, we read more, we blame it on people, we, we, we give more, we go more. And, and those things might work for a little while, but eventually we find ourselves stuck right back where it all began. And eventually what happens, so many people just give up and, 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 and they feel like it's just, it's just hopeless. Verse 18 in Romans 7 says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now, now what, what, what the Bible calls your, your sin nature, th- that thing is with you when you wake up in the morning. It's with you when you go to bed at night. This thing called the sin nature, it's with you when you go to work. It's with you when, when you're at home. And hey, this thing called the sin nature is even with you when you're at church. It was demonstrated a few weeks ago when somebody gave some of our parking lot people out here the finger, the bird. It wasn't. Come on. Our men are trying to get you in and out safely and try not to run over people and, and, and all. And, and they're out there waving and greeting and somebody just gives them the. Listen, those guys are acting on behalf of this pastor. And if you want to give somebody the finger, come see me. I'll break it in the name of... We're breaking off sin. We're throwing it out. Kicking it. You bring sinful nature to church. Right? It's with you when you're in public places. It's... It's also with you when you're in private places. It's, it's with you in the relationships that you share with, with people, even you love, that sin nature, even with people that, that you don't love. I'm telling you, this thing called the sin nature has a real tendency to mess your life up, doesn't it? It does. But I want to encourage us today because we're all in the boat together. You see, this is something scripture says that we all have in common for all have Sin, right? We all have that in common. But here's the deal. It's not hopeless for us. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, we can have control over those areas in our lives in which we are weak. We don't have to continue to be prisoners to our desires. And it comes from this area called self-control. Now, I looked up self-control in the dictionary because I just wanted to make sure that I understood. You know what self-control means? The ability to control yourself. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That was a breakthrough for me. This is a year breakthrough at 1910. That's our word for the year. Learn a SAT word, self-control. The ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Listen, you have self-control when you are able to do what you intend to do and resist what you don't want to do. Self-control. Now listen, self-control may not be a natural tendency of yours, but it's a supernatural one. That's the key. Remember in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, we started with this last week, and this is kind of what we're working through over the next few weeks. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Who does this in us? Who produces it? The Holy Spirit. Supernatural. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy. We talked about that last week. 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. I know that we're not preaching in order, but after the pie episode last night, I just thought, well, probably ought to preach on that, right? All of these virtues that you see, listen, all these things that we're talking about in this series are things that we cannot manufacture through sheer willpower, through, through trying harder, through, through following the rules. Listen, these are character traits that God produces in us through who? The Holy Spirit. And as I press in and grow in my relationship with Christ, these things will grow from this tree. He produces those things. This thing with self-control, it's, it's kind of confusing for me. That's why I looked it up. You laughed at me, but isn't self-control really a misnomer? I mean, self-control self is really about giving up control. It's about moving over and it's about letting Jesus take the wheel. Believing that, 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 that God is really the one in control and surrendering our lives to his will and to his purpose. So real quickly, before I let you guys run for the exits, how do you get control? How, if your life is spinning out of control, if you don't have any, how do you get control? First of all, I would say, let God's spirit guide you. I've read that in Galatians 5. Let the Holy Spirit of God guide you. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Listen, self-control is not about trying harder but it's about giving up. It's about giving up. I gain control over my sinful desires by giving up control to God and letting his spirit guide my life. Number two, I would say, let God's word direct you. If you want to gain control, let God's word direct you. Why? Well, look what this verse says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to what? To teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let God's word guide you. The psalmist would write, thy word is a unto my feet and a unto my path. Right? Do you spend time in the Word? Hey, listen, by the way, our new devotional guides are here. I don't know if you ever take advantage of these. We have free ones at guest services. Um, but, but they're here. The new ones are out. We've got a cluster of grapes. Doesn't they look cute? It's always a big game. What's going to be on the cover um, uh, for us? We try to figure it out. But grapes, I don't know what that has to do with March, April, or May. But anyway, fruit, fruit, fruit. They knew. God moment. Hey, grab this. Do you spend time in the word of God? This is intended to help you. It will guide you. Somebody get in the word. And thirdly, I would say, let God's people encourage you. Not only let God's spirit work in you, not only should you get in the word of God, but you need to let God's people encourage you. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You know some people do. Not you guys. Y'all are here. So those other people, sinners. I'm praying for high golf scores today on the golf course and no fish in the boat for fishermen. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not. It's okay to take a break, okay? Just send your tithe check. Anyway, um, 
Did, was that out, my out loud voice? Sorry. No, we care for people, not just their money. Yeah. Focus. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do, but encourage one another. All the more, especially as the day of his return is drawing near. I'm telling you, listen, if you lack self-control, it always helps to have other people there to support you. It always helps to have other people there to encourage you, to, to hold you accountable when you're trying to make these positive changes in our lives. Not only can the Holy Spirit do it, and not only is God's word good, but I'm, listen, sometimes God uses people to help us as well. Listen, it's easier to stop smoking when your friends and family are encouraging you to do it. It's easier to stop drinking when, when you're not hanging out with people all the time that drink. It's easier to, to adjust your eating habits when, when someone else is, is helping you make some of those changes in your life and maybe even eating along with you, correct? People today, if, if sexual desires are, are something in which you lack self... Listen, people gain control over sexual desires by having, I believe, people check up with them, holding them accountable, saying, hey, listen, are you staying pure? So listen... Get a grip on your life. But to do this, you've got to let it go. Let it go. Let it. That is a part of Disney that does make sense. Don't hold it back anymore. Let we, Pastor Chuck, would you just sing that for us? I just, this is a God moment right now. Would you just... In order to gain control, you've got to let it go. Listen, you've got to give up control to let God control your life. And that's where so many of you are missing it today. You're trying, oh, and you're fighting. No, come on. Release it. Let God have control. Only then, only when you let go and let him have it is when you will have control. So I don't know today if maybe anybody's struggling with peace. I know that there's at least one person here that struggles with self-control. I'm praying today that you would understand that peace is a person, not a situation. And in order to gain control of your life, you're going to have to release your life and give it to the Lord. Are we okay? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and I just want to pray over us as we get ready to leave here. And and I know that uh, there might be someone here today that's struggling with this peace issue. And there might be someone here today that's struggling with letting go and giving up control. And if that's you, we want to encourage and pray with you today. Our prayer ministry team are going to be down front this morning and would love nothing more than to encourage you and pray over you if you're dealing with something today. Listen, if you've been looking for peace in your life, but you've never said yes to Jesus, I pray that today's the day that you would run down to the front and tell one of my friends, hey, listen, I need Jesus. And just watch how things begin to change in your life. Maybe you've got some self-control issues and, and you find yourself doing those things that you know you shouldn't be doing and those things you know you should be, you just can't. Listen, hey, listen, you need to just release it and let it go. Maybe you ought to come tell somebody, today, hey, listen, I just need somebody that's going to keep me accountable in this and just name that. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss us. And as people are leaving for the doors and as first-time guests make their way over to the garage to, to see Angie and I, maybe you want to come to the front today and just have someone pray with and encourage you.
So, Lord, thank you for the reminder today that you came to give us peace. You know we need peace. And that peace we need is found in a person, Jesus. And, God, for the reminder today also that if we want to gain control of our lives, we need to let it go. We need to surrender to you and let you take over. So, God, I pray that we would allow your spirit to continue to work in our lives on these issues. Holy Spirit, produce this fruit in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.